Amen. Now, I had you sit because I'm going to read a long uh, story. It's the story of who I'm going to call um, Jesus' conversation with a shady lady. Do you know that Jesus had a conversation with a shady lady? We call her the woman at the well, but she was shady. And she became a great witness for Christ. But I'm going to read her story out of John 4, starting at verse 1. And I know Pam's going to try to keep up with me and she'll do good. In case you want to see it on the screen, if you have your Bibles, just turn to John 4, 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples did, he left Judea, departed again to Galilee, and then verse 4, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you don't have anything to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life from within him. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Okay, go and get your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, Well, I don't have a husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you are now shacked up with. I'm sorry, I read it wrong. The woman, just want to get your attention. Um, the one you now have isn't your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to her who had an obvious grasp of the obvious, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers, she continues, our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is, said Jesus, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. That's what we just did. God is a spirit, 
And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? And the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city. The Greek is they streamed out of the city and came to him. Thank you, Lord. Bless your word in Jesus' name. You breathe a prayer with me, church, and say, Lord, sow a good seed in my soul today. Help me to hunger for souls like Jesus did. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In the word of God, good. Now, I began a series last time on various people that Jesus meets in the New Testament and talks to. Anything Jesus ever said ought to be looked at for the remainder of our days. He talked to a lot of people with a lot of different problems. I went ahead and looked up some of them, and here's, here's some of the very common problems that people had that Jesus bothered to talk to, stopped to talk to, conversed with. He talked to people with uncontrolled anger, foolish choices, people who had made foolish choices those that have misplaced priorities, hypocrisy, guilt, indifference, misguided ambition, shaky faith, convenient excuses for dodging God, nagging doubt, compulsive busyness, remember Martha? Broken dreams, personal failure. He talked to people with all those various problems and ministered to every one of them, addressed every one of them, helped every one of them. And so today I'm going to look at this story of a woman that Jesus met at a well in the heat of the day. And we don't know her name, we don't know her age, the Bible doesn't tell us, but her conversation conversation with the Lord is the longest conversation recorded in the whole New Testament that Jesus ever had with a person, this woman, this shady lady, at the well. Jesus spent quite a while talking with her, more than Nicodemus, more than Simon Peter, as far as just personal conversation. Now, when you look at her story, right off the bat, we see she had three strikes against her when she encountered Jesus. Strike one, she was a woman. And you say, well, Pastor Jeff, that doesn't sound too good. What do you mean she, she was a woman? That's a strike against her. Here was the strike. Uh, a good Jewish rabbi was never to talk to a woman alone without her husband being there. So Jesus broke protocol to talk to this woman and reach her soul. Strike two, she was a Samaritan, which Jews of that day shunned. The Jews of Jesus' day had nothing to do with the Samaritans. If you want to know how how strong the animosity between Jews and Samaritans was in those days, then just think right now, Israeli and Palestinians. 
and the hatred and the animosity and the way they avoid one another and hate each other and attack one another. There you have an idea of the animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans of Jesus' day. So Jesus broke protocol again to reach this woman. Notice with me, there was a gender barrier and then there was a racial barrier and Jesus pulled down both walls to reach this woman. Strike three was she was living in sin. The story reveals she'd been married five times and was indeed shacking up with a sixth man at the time she met Jesus. Now, in our day, we don't even hardly bat an eyelash at that, but it's called fornication. And if you're living with somebody and you're not married to them, it's called fornication. And, and um, so in Jesus' day, it was a huge deal. So when Jesus meets this woman, there's three walls, three strikes, three things that need to be brought down before he can even get her attention. A gender barrier, a racial barrier, and a shame barrier. And I'm going to tell you something, church, that you're not going to talk to anybody, that you're not going to encounter at least one of those walls, a a, a gender barrier or a racial barrier or a shame barrier. Because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. None of us can stand up and say to God, I've not done anything wrong. We all have a shame when it comes to facing the holy God. And that's good. That's real. It ought to be that way. Now, the plot thickens with this story when we see that she came to draw water at the sixth hour. Now, that may not sound like a big deal. It wasn't unusual for a woman at all to go and draw water from a well. They would get up early in the morning and grab a bucket or two, walk down to the well, get water for their household that day. There was no running water, no tap water. They had to go get it out of a well. So there's nothing unusual about that. But there was something very unusual about when she went. It says she went at the sixth hour. Now, that would have been around high noon. And in Israel, at this time of the year, when Jesus was on his way to um, a festival, at this time of year, it was hot, really hot. Matter of fact, we're told in the story that when Jesus sat down at the well, he was weary from his long travel because it was hot outside. It was sapping his strength. And so she decided to go to the well at high noon, instead of when all the other women went, which was at the break of day so they could get the water before it got too hot. And so we have to ask ourselves, why did this woman go then? Why at high noon? Well, here's the why. So she wouldn't have to deal with other people. She didn't want to have to run into all of the raised eyebrows and the gossip and the ostracism she was experiencing because she was not famous but infamous in that town. Five husbands, living with one without marriage now, so she's on man number six. And so she didn't want to encounter the women of the town going at the break of day. So essentially, she was ducking and dodging and living in the shadows of society so that nobody would meet her and greet her and look at her with that look. You know, nobody can give you that look like church folk. Nobody will hang you out to dry worse than religious people. 
Man, if you've ever been judged and criticized and, and, and uh, really come against by religious people, you know exactly what it's like. It is miserable. It's terrible. She wanted to avoid that. So she went at the break of, or at the high noon when nobody was there. So bottom line is, in the time of Jesus, this Samaritan woman at the well was considered a shady lady an immoral woman, ostracized from her community and loaded down with shame and guilt. That's who she was. Now I want to draw some things out of this story and bring them home to us today because I see with Jesus talking to this woman what we're headed for as a church. We're going to be talking to people who are also shady. How many of you can say, I used to be shady? Come on. Boy, a lot of you got halos. How many of you can say, hey, I've sinned, I've messed up, and there have been times I was ashamed? Come on. All right. The rest of you, I want to meet you afterwards. I want you to lay hands on me. <laughs> now, let me draw some things out of this story. First of all, we're reading here about what I, what I love to call a divine encounter. A divine encounter. This woman had a divine encounter. Now, I want you to notice, if you go back in your Bibles, or just remember with me, that in verse 4, the Bible says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Had to. Now, I read that, and I thought, wait a minute. Why did Jesus have to go through Samaria when, in his day, when the, the Jews didn't even go there at all? Jews didn't go to Samaria, and if they did, they rushed through, lest they get tainted by the Samaritan people, that's the way they looked at them. They were so arrogant, the Jewish people of that day, when it came to these Samaritans, their nose was held so high they couldn't walk into a rainstorm without drowning. They were proud, arrogant, condescending. They looked down on you. They judged you. And so if they went through Samaria, believe me, they rushed through. But why would Jesus have to go through Samaria? Well, I got the answer for you, and it's powerful, and it's moving. Here's the deal. Jesus went because he intended to meet this woman. Jesus went because he knew all about her. See, Jesus, let's don't forget, folks, was God. Jesus wasn't some first century hippity walking around in sandals saying nice things, poetic things, loving things to people. Jesus was God wrapped in skin. He was God incarnate. He became one of us that he might feel our pain, touch us at the point of our need, die for our sins, shed blood for us, and rise from the dead. Jesus is and was God. So being God, he knew all about this woman like he knows all about you and me. He knows all about us. He knew all about her. And knowing all about her, her history, what she was doing, how she was living, he intentionally orchestrated this divine encounter. It was on purpose. He knew she'd be coming at the well at the exact moment that she did. He wasn't surprised. Jesus was never surprised about anything. And believe me, church, every step Jesus took was loaded with divine destiny. He never made a turn without having destiny all over it. He never talked to a person without divine purpose. He was God walking around. 
So when he went to this well, he knew exactly who was coming, exactly what her name was, exactly what she needed. And so he sat himself down at high noon waiting for this woman to arrive. You know what I like about that? The Bible shows that God often chooses to invade our normal, everyday, everyday Work a day existence when we least expect it. God intervenes and reveals Himself and speaks to us and brings a change into our life. He is full of surprises. You never know what God is going to do. He steps right into the middle of our mundane activities and changes us. Think a minute when Gideon was threshing wheat. There he is threshing wheat, just another work day, Gideon just doing what he did every single day. And all of a sudden there is a mighty angel that says, hey, mighty man of God. And all of a sudden, Gideon's life was totally changed by the visitation of God Almighty via an angel. Moses is out there herding sheep. It's just another day of herding sheep. He's 80 now. He's herding sheep another day on the pasture listening to the bleeding of the lambs. And all of a sudden he hears a voice talking. He turns and sees a bush that is on fire but not being consumed. And God invaded his every day, every day and spoke to him and called him. And his life was changed in a flash on a normal day. Peter and John came in from a long day of fishing, rubbing their eyes. They're tired. Peter pulls that net full of fish out of the boat. John begins mending the net where it needs to be mended. And all of a sudden, there is a man waiting there, a man looking at them. And he says to them, follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And Jesus Christ totally changed their life in a flash, stepping into their every day, every day. You never know when he's going to show up. This woman wasn't looking for Jesus, but you know what? Jesus was looking for her and knew where to find her. All she wanted was water, but Jesus knew she had far deeper needs, though she didn't know it. I love this. She got up that day and said, see you in a little bit to Mr. Six, grabbed a couple of pails, headed down to the well, and she had no idea, this lonely, shady lady, that she had a date with destiny. Her life was about to be totally, completely revolutionized and changed by one divine encounter. So we see a divine encounter. And I want you to know that God gives us divine encounters today. Some of you are having one right now. Some people had one in the early service, a divine encounter. It is when heaven stoops down, heaven condescends, heaven steps down and, and, and says something, does something, touches us. Second, we see in this story that witnessing is not always comfortable, it's not always pleasant, and it's not always easy. I'm going to say that again. When you talk to somebody about God or Jesus, it's not always comfortable, not always convenient, it's not always easy, and it's not always pleasant. Our shady lady here was not an easy case. Remember three walls, gender, racial, and shame. Jesus had to pull down all three walls just to get her attention, but he took the time and the trouble to do it. He took the time and the trouble to detour into Samaria and go to this wall when he, this well when he was weary and sit down in his weariness to reach this one woman. 
He did whatever it took. He patiently stayed with her. Like I said, longest conversation with anybody in the New Testament. He patiently stayed with her, listened to her, talked to her, gained her trust, loved her, didn't judge her. And this story also shows that you've got to go where the people are. You can't expect them to come to you. You've got to go where they are. Can you say with me, I've got to go where they are. You know, they're not going to all come to you and say, you know, I've sensed something on your life. What is it I sense on your life? Can you explain to me why you have so much peace? That hasn't happened to me in years. I have to tell somebody why I'm different. I have to make the effort. You know, think of a firefighter, a fireman. He doesn't stand outside of a burning house and say, come out, come out, come out. Come to me. He's trained to run in there to find them, to seek them, to lay hold of them, to rescue them and bring them out, play a crucial role in bringing them out of a burning house. And folks, I want you to know that anybody that does not know Jesus is in a burning house. And and you've got to go where they are. You've got to step into their life. You've got to take the time and the trouble, even if you're weary, even if you're inconvenienced, and talk to them. I don't believe anything happens by accident. I believe that God brings people across our path all the time who need to know about Jesus. And you and I know him personally and we're to share him. The gospel is for sharing. The gospel is for telling. I believe it was God's will that my garage door opener broke a couple of weeks ago. Now, let me tell you a quick story. Um, my garage door opener started. My garage door started opening up all on its own one day. It was weird. I wondered if God was telling me to go somewhere. <laughs> the garage door would go. Went out there. Couldn't. I, I looked to see if the button on the garage door opener was stuck or something. It was everything was fine. Kathy and I'd be sitting in the house, and she'd come and say, "Did you open up the garage door?" I say, "No." She said, "It did it again." And I said, "Really?" I go out there and look at it again. Wide open. Then it started going all the way down, and when it hit the bottom, it would go all the way back up. I I started to call for an exorcist. It's like, what's doing this? Down, up, and in the middle of the night, it would open. So I said, I'm going to have to call a garage door person. So, you know, I opened up uh, the phone book, and I said, Lord, leave me, and I called the first person I called. They said, we'll be out there in a couple of hours, and we're going to look at it. So here he comes. And I went out there and met him. And said, there it is. Here's what it's doing. He said, go on in the house and I'll, uh, I'll tell you what it is in a few minutes. So a few minutes, he calls me from his cell phone into my house and I went out there and he said, here's the deal. You're going to have to get it replaced and all that. And I really did. It was like 22 years old. So anyway, so I asked him, I said, you, you have a bit of an accent. Where are you from? And he said, I'm from Israel. And I said, are you a Jewish man? And he said, I'm full blood Jewish. He said, I speak fluent Hebrew. Well, you know what I was thinking. <laughs> you know what I was thinking. So, so I said, huh. I said, well, he said, you go on in and I'll, I'll, I'm just going to fix it. I'll, I'll call you when I'm done. I went in the house and, the, and it seemed like the Lord said to me, you can't talk to him from in here. And I said, Lord, I don't feel like standing in that heat in that garage sweating He's being paid. I'm not. 
the Lord said, go out to him. So I went out to him, and I stood there, and I sweated with him while he told me all about how his in-laws, his grandfather had been, his, his grandfather had been killed. He had family members that were lost in the Holocaust. He was filled with anger. He didn't believe in God. He rejected Yeshua, Jesus. He rejected God. He said, I'm not sure about any of it. And you know what I was led to do? Just listen. So I stood there, starting to sweat, right along with him. And he tells me about this. All this starts coming out of him, pouring out of him. And I'm thinking, I'm not to preach at him. I am to listen to him. So I listened, and he went on and on, and I listened to his anger, and I listened to his rage. And he said, you know, sometimes I just feel bad that I'm Jewish because people are against you just because you're Jewish. I don't know if you heard that phone. I thought it was God calling. And so I'm talking to him, and I'm thinking, Wow, uh, this is a divine encounter. So I waited until he was all done. And I said, you know, I'm a pastor. He goes, really? What church? And I said, turning point. And he said, over there are 35? And I said, yeah. He said, I've seen your sign. And I said, well, now this is at the end of an hour. He's wrapping it up and he's all done. And I told him how I was saved in jail. I told him how Yeshua, Jesus, became real to me. And I told him how shocked I was at how real he was. That it stunned me. And that he could walk with him, and, and he's listening. Now, here's what I know. If I hadn't gone out to him and let him talk for an hour, he wouldn't have listened to me. And I gave him my card about the radio show and the church. I was going to be on the air in, in a little over an hour. I said, I'm going to be on in a little over an hour. And I guarantee you, When he left and was driving down that highway, he tuned me in. And I'll tell you something else. If I hadn't stood out there for an hour, he wouldn't have given me the time of day. That card would have gone into file 13 before he was down the block. you got to go where they are. I'm not going to be surprised if he walks in one day and sits there and looks at me. Okay? Say with me, you got to go where they are. Say with me, you got to go to them. Here's the third thing I see. We see Jesus' witnessing technique. Listen, rather than preaching at this woman, he talked to her about her deepest need. Let's drop in on the conversation. Listen to what he said. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now she's confused. She's thinking of H2O, the only water she knows anything about. He's talking about some kind of miracle water. So she's confused and she says, Sir, I'm looking at you. You don't even have a bucket to draw water out of the well with. How can you give me this living water? Now Jesus has her engaged in conversation. And he takes her deeper. He says, Everybody who drinks of this water in this well is going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. As a matter of fact, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring in him, in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
Now, you know what he's talking to her about? He's talking to her about spiritual thirst. That longing we have for God that we can't put our finger on. I am convinced, I am totally convinced that when somebody abuses drugs, abuses alcohol, turns to a joint, turns to speed, turns to some addictive drug, they don't know it, but deep down they are looking for what Jesus called living water. They are looking to reconnect with God, but they are like somebody with amnesia. They don't remember that they were disconnected from their father way back in the Garden of Eden. So they don't know what it is they're looking for, but they just know they're looking. Maybe it's here. Maybe it's there. Maybe it's in this drug. Maybe it's in this drink. Maybe it's in this relationship. Maybe it's in this philosophy. Maybe it's here. Maybe it's there. I'm looking because I've got a thirst. He's talking about spiritual thirst with this woman, and he's telling her what happens when you turn to him and you're born again. At the moment we say, Jesus, forgive me and come into my heart, be my Savior and Lord, listen to this, watch this. The Holy Spirit essentially, figuratively speaking, goes into you and digs a well. Digs a well. Jesus said, a well is going to be dug inside your soul and out of that well will flow the presence and life of the Holy Spirit springing up into everlasting life. Springing up. Now, now, now she's gone, or he's gone into an area that she doesn't get. She, she's, she's confused but intrigued. And I love the way the master Jesus reeled her in. She says, sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty and won't have to come here to draw water. You know what she was saying? Hot dog. If you can swing it where I don't have to walk down to this well anymore, that'd be fantastic. (laughs) Hey, if if I can have water just right at, at my disposal, bring it on. So she said, give me this water. Now, when she did that, She was basically saying, Lord, I want it. How do I get it? And that's why Jesus went where he went next. Because you see, church, listen, if you're going to get the living water, you're going to have to face the truth of your life. He essentially said to her, sin, your sin, must be faced and forgiven. Until our sin is faced and forgiven, there is no access to the living waters because that's the well, or the the wall rather. That's the wall. That's the wall that's there between us and God, sin. Our relationship with God is broken through sin. And and what he has for us, we can't get until that wall is uh, pulled down. And that's why Jesus said, go get your husband. Here's what he was doing. He was using his supernatural insight, his knowledge of everything, because he knew everything, knew all about her. He was using his knowledge to move in gently on the target of her troubles. Oh, you want the living water? Go get your man. Well, uh, Lord, funny you'd ask that. Uh, What does this have to do with water? Can we change the subject? 
I see her starting to squirm a little bit. Well, I, I have no husband. Then Jesus went straight to the bullseye. You're right. You've rightly said you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And you're living with a sixth man without being married. Have I ever met you? Who told you about me? No one. You don't know who you're talking to. Jesus went straight to the sin issue and said, it's going to have to be fessed up and forsaken and forgiven. Read your Bible and you'll see that Jesus is all about calling people to repentance. Listen to what Jesus himself said. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He said, that's why I came to call sinners to repentance. Because until they repent, this wonderful, glorious experience of the flowing rivers of the Spirit are kept from you, are unavailable, inaccessible. Now, I think by now this woman is starting to get a clue about where Jesus is going with all this talk about living water, never thirsting again, and her husband's. You know what I believe? She's tired of her shame and guilt. She's sick of it. After a while, sin becomes so heavy. After a while, sin just weighs you down. Don't let it, anybody kid you. The Bible says don't envy sinners. It's not wise. Because payday always comes someday. And when the payday for sin starts rolling in, it's always miserable. It's always heavy. It's always breathtakingly bad. She's tired of living with her shame and guilt. She's sensing that Jesus right now, then, at the moment, might be able to help her. So she says to Jesus something that I think she was trying to change the subject and maybe impress him a little bit with religious talk. She says, I know Messiah's coming, and when he comes, he's going to tell us everything. Aren't you impressed, Lord, that I knew a Bible verse? He looked her right in the eye and said, I who speak to you am he. Oh, gosh. Now, she understood this much. If that was true... God was looking at her. I who speak to you, lady, am he. I'm the Messiah. I took a detour to this well to sit here, to meet you, to talk to you, to love you, to win you. And he would soon follow through with that by going straight to the cross. And, and I want you to remember that there on the cross, do you remember one thing Jesus said? He said, I thirst. And they tried to give him vinegar and he wouldn't take it. He said, I thirst. Have you ever noticed that whatever Jesus experienced on the cross negatively turned out to our positive? Do you remember the Bible says with his stripes we were? And he took our sins and placed them on him and his righteousness and placed it on so everything that happened negatively to Jesus turned out to our positive. What about thirsting? He said, I thirst. That's a negative. But you know what he did on that cross? He thirsted for us so that we would not have to live with an endless, frustrating, thirsting for God that could never be quenched. Yeah. 
the sinless Son of God took upon himself the iniquity of us all and his death and resurrection paved the way for that great day of Pentecost. And, you know, you talk about buckets and going to the well. I picture this huge bucket in heaven filled with the life-giving Holy Spirit. And when Pentecost came, God just turned that bucket over. And because Jesus had thirsted on the cross for us, then God said, here you go. And he poured out the Holy Spirit and it cascaded down and it splashed upon the whole early church. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they drank 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 and their thirsty souls were satisfied. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. No wonder on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed is he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for he's going to be satisfied. So are you thirsty today? Do you have a need for him today? You may have one strike against you, maybe two, maybe three, maybe more. But let me tell you something. Jesus wants to talk to you today. In closing, I want us to notice something that happened. Remember now, Jesus took the time and he witnessed to her. The Bible says that her joy and excitement, when she realized who he was, when he met her need, when she got rid of her sin, she ran back to town and told others, I love this, come see a man. I I hear something there. Come see a real man. Come see a man like no man I've ever met before. Come see a man I don't have to hide. I want to show you a real man. I want to show you a man who I can't believe I've met. He told me everything I've ever done and I never met him before. Could this be the Christ? And the result of her testimony was a genuine revival where the people came streaming out of the village to see him and many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him and he stayed there for two days and many more believed on him. So look at the dominoes. He witnessed to her. She went and told the whole town. A bunch of them came came out and got saved. They went back. They talked Jesus into staying and then many more got saved. So there was a domino effect and the same thing happens today. You tell somebody, they tell somebody, they tell somebody, they tell somebody. And before you know it, word has spread. Can you stand with me today? We're believing that on November the 9th, many are going to come to say what those Samaritans did. Listen to what they ended up saying. We know, not we wonder, not we think. We know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. That's what the whole town said. We know. Whole town affected by this one woman. Isn't it amazing? The shady lady became the first mass evangelism person in the New Testament, told the whole town, and God completely changed her life. Let me summarize what we've learned real quickly. One, nobody's too sinful to be saved. Two, no one is so lost the Lord can't find him. Three, no one can be saved without facing his sinful past. Four, nobody who faces his sinful past is going to be turned away by Jesus. Five, no one who meets Jesus will ever be the same again. Can we bow together in prayer? Father, we thank you right now for Jesus. 
We thank you, Lord, for being with us, speaking to us. And Lord, we know that we had a divine encounter with you, most of us. And now, Lord, we're praying that hundreds more have a divine encounter. With your heads bowed, let me ask you a question. Have you ever turned to Christ, really? Have you ever given him your heart, asked him to forgive you? Really? Asked him to take away your sin, taking your shame to him like I did, sitting in jail as a 16-year-old. I took my shame to him. Have you ever taken your shame to him and said, Lord, forgive me? Come into my heart. If you haven't, the Lord wants to talk to you today. Have you walked with him, but the well's gotten muddy and dirty and filled up with dirt out of compromise? The Lord wants to talk to you today. He wants that well water clear, springing up into everlasting life. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to deal with those two areas. So if you want to pray with me, Jesus wants to talk to you. Let's say it together. Say with me, Lord Jesus. This is for those who need it. We're, we're going to come back to him or we're going to come to him for the first time. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for letting the well water get muddied through compromise. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Let that water spring up again clear and clean into everlasting life. If you've never come to him, say this, say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. I bring my shame to you, my sin to you, and I ask your forgiveness. I receive that forgiveness. Now dig a well in my soul. Let me experience that living water. Now with our heads bowed, if you prayed that prayer with me, would you lift your hand right up in the air? Either one of those prayers, lift them up high. Let me see. Let him see more than me. Bless you. And we're going to do what the first service did. I feel very impressed to do this. I'm going to ask you to slip out and just come and stand right in front of me, right here. Say, Pastor, why do I need to do that? Because it's a step of faith. You need to tell somebody what you've done. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, you need to take that step of faith. Jesus walked up Golgotha's hill naked and bleeding for you. So I'm asking you to come and just stand here. That's all you've got to do. I want to meet you and I want to pray with you. And I'm going to wait because many raise their hands. And God's going to touch you down here. This is very important that we pray this last prayer. So as we sing, fill my cup, Lord. I want you to come. I'm going to wait for you. Thank you, Lord. 
Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench the thirsting of my soul. Men, women, bread of heaven, young person, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup. Fill it up and make me whole. We're going to sing it one more time and then we're going to pray. Everybody be in prayer. Fill this is God's moment. I lift it up. Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Yes, Bread of heaven, feed me. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of these precious people. Now, Lord, we pray that your spirit will seal every one of them with the, that seal of redemption, that seal of ownership. Thank you for adoption into the family of God. And Lord, we pray right now, break every chain snap every fetter release from every connection to anything that has dragged us down for where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty give liberty Lord in Jesus name now I'm going to lead all of you in a simple prayer pray with me and say Lord Jesus thank you for what you've done in my heart today I yield myself to you, to your purposes. Guide my life from this moment forward. Now say with me, I'm saved, I'm forgiven, in Jesus' name. Now all of you look up at me for a minute. I rejoice with you, and I see the Lord moving in a wonderful way on many of you. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to go with this man right here and a couple of other prayers into our harvest room. And they're going to pray with you one more time and then give you something very important to take home with you, uh, something we've prepared for you. And I want you to have it. You know why? Because we're not going to just leave you here. We're going to follow up on you. We're going to help you walk in your new walk. We want to see you discipled and move on in God. And so this is to be... Uh, this is the end of that old life. It's the beginning of a new one. God's done it. The Holy Spirit is here. Amen. So I want you to go with uh, Robert here. Would you just follow Robert this way? Hold your hand up, Robert, and some ushers help them. And please go, and we're going to pray some more and finish this in the back room. So there we go. God bless you, all of you. Head on out. There we go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Isn't God good?